You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is Shuvah Sopoiskim, a special Chesidish Epsak Hanukkah edition. Uh, it, it's a tremendous host to have with us my Chavrusa and Chavil, uh, uh, Rav Kalman Warch, uh, who is the, uh, the acclaimed translator of the Bnei Soscher, uh, director of the Illinois Center of Jewish Studies. Uh, he's here uh, to speak about something which, of course, is uh, very close to his heart, to say the least, which is the Torah of the Bnei Soscher on Hanukkah, which uh, we spoke about in previous uh, sessions here. And uh, Kalman, I know, has, uh, has chosen uh, a wonderful piece for us to go through. I, I do want to say that uh, as we sit here, biyachad, that uh, this uh, shir is dedicated, Li'ili Nishmas, Lana Bas, Mayor Ben Zion, my sister, who was nifter three years ago with COVID, it seems like. So, and the neshama should have an aliyah, the learning should be as a chus um, for her neshama. Um, so what I'd like to do, if, if I may, is I'd like to sort of lay out the sugya, explain where the Bnei Sashar is, uh, is coming towards, what, what, he's, what he's dealing with. And then if I could just take a few minutes and talk in general about the Bnei Sashar's approach to, um, to halachic psak, and then maybe see how he deals with this specific issue within, within that context. So let, let's begin like this. Uh, the sugya, the Gemara that deals with the subject of Hanukkah, is of course the Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara in Shabbos, Dav Chav Beis, the Gemara deals with the question of when you're lighting the Hanukkah candles, can you be madlik miner l'ner? Meaning, do I need to use an independent flame to, to light each of the candles like we do? We use the Shabbos, use that long yellow candle um, to, to, to light each of the flames. Um, to light each of the candles, or, which is the Gemara's question, can I use one candle to light the next candle over? So the Gemara brings a machlokas. Rav says that, that you're not allowed to light the Hanukkah candles from one candle to another candle, so you can't light one and then use it to light the second. Shmuel says, Shmuel says that you could light from candle to candle, so we have a machlokas um, in terms of the, at this point in the Gemara, we don't know yet the reason. But the Gemara just cites a machlokas. And then we have an interesting psak, so to speak, from Abaye, who is, of course, generations later, who says that even though my Rebbe, which was Rabbah bar even though my Rebbe always paskin like Rav, but when it came to three halachas, which the Gemara discusses there, there were three instances where Rabbah bar the Rebbe of Abaye, paskin like Shmuel. And this is one of those cases where we are madlik in the for some reason, even though we always hold like Rav, in this case, we're going to hold like Shmuel, that you can light from one candle to another candle. So the Gemara says, okay, we have this machlokas, but what's the debate about? And I think this is going to connect to the Bnei Sashar, as we'll get to soon, because just a halachic machlokas is very difficult to apply to other instances, because where where you've got a halacha that says um, and that this is allowed, that this is not allowed, so how do we know whether we can apply it to other situations or not? Here, the Gemara is going to try to figure out the reasons 
if we can figure out what the reasons for Rav and Shmuel are, maybe we can figure out how to, how to apply it. So the Gemara says, as he, you're pulling up the Gemara here, um, it would be Chavbe Samadal, so the next page. Um, so the Gemara tells us that that there was a certain one of the rabbis who, who was um, sitting before of Adabarahava, and he asked the following question. He said, what's, the, what's Rav's reason? Is Rav's reason why he prohibits lighting from a candle to another candle because you are disgracing the mitzvah? Meaning, so Rashi, interestingly enough, says that the problem is that in order to light from one candle to another candle, you need a go-between. And, and that go-between is a um, non-holy, non-Hanukkah object that you are introducing into this process and lighting it. Now, it, it meaning this go-between, is being lit by the first candle. So let's describe the following situation. Let's say I light my one candle and now I want to, I want, I don't have any flames. So what I want to do is I want to stick a match into the first flame to light it in order to light the second candle. So um, that the problem is that I'm disgracing the mitzvah. I am shaming my menorah because I'm using my Hanukkah candles, which are supposed to be holy, to light a match. So that's what that's what this rabbi wanted to say before of Adabarahaba. So to which he said to him, No, that's not really the reason. That's not the reason of Rav. The reason of Rav is not that you're disgracing the mitzvah. The reason of Rav is because you're weakening the mitzvah. When you when you um, when you stick that match in, at that point you are weakening the flame. But more than that, as Rashi points out, you're you're actually drawing away and stealing some of the oil that's in that first um, lamp. You're stealing some of it in order to light your match. And so therefore, don't, says Ravadabhav, don't assume the reason is because you're shaming the first flame. That's not the problem. The problem is that you're actually weakening and diminishing the first flame. Says the Gemara, well, what's the difference between these reasons? What, what difference is it whether the reason why Rav says you can't do it is because you're shaming the mitzvah or the reason is because you're diminishing the mitzvah. And, and, the, and the Gemara says, the Gemara answers this question, the difference would be if you are lighting um, from one candle um, to um, um, the, directly to the other candle. Meaning if you can bring over the flame of one candle and touch it uh, the wick of one candle and touch it over to the wick of the next candle. Could you do that? So if the problem is you are that we don't want you to disgrace the mitzvah, we don't want you to shame the mitzvah by lighting a, a non-menorah match in there, so then this would be okay. But if the problem is that you're weakening the mitzvah, so then you're still weakening the mitzvah when you're lighting from another uh, flame. Now, this that's the Gemara. Uh, there is another point to this Gemara, which is on the next page, but I don't think we need to officially look at that. But just the Gemara seems to connect this issue of, of whether you could or cannot light the other candle. Um, the Gemara seems to connect it to the fa- other question, which is whether the mitzvah of the Hanukkah candles is to light the candles or to have it burn. 
but but let's leave that subject aside. Let's just bring it back to where to where we were, uh, and and then I'd like to take a, a few minutes and talk a little bit about the Bnei Sastra himself. But but again, just to review, we have a debate in the Gemara as to whether you can light from one candle to another candle. Can you use one candle in the menorah to light another candle of the menorah? And the the Rav says no, and Shmuel says yes, and Abaye even though he usually rules like Rav, in this case rules like Shmuel, that you could light from candle to candle. However, the Gemara gets into a discussion over what the issue is, what's the debate, and the Gemara says that it is, well, one of the rabbis wanted to suggest that the debate here is whether you're allowed to shame one candle by, by lighting a, 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 a non-candle match with it, and that's the debate. And the other one says, no, the, the issue here is, are you allowed to take away and sort of steal some of the light from one candle for the sake of another? And the difference would be, the difference between these two opinions would be on the subject of when he permitted it, did he only permit it directly from candle to candle, or would he even permit lighting with this in-between match? Okay, now th- that's the Gemara. And I-, I think that when it comes to halachic psak, especially as we look at it from, from the Gemara, and maybe I should take this back to a general subject, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of the role of halacha in general. Um, I think people think that halacha is like the guidelines of how, how best to do something. But I, I don't think that people understand or realize, or maybe even if they do, they don't necessarily focus on the fact that the halacha of how to do something exactly is not just the recommendation, but in many cases, if you don't do it according to the exact parameters of the halacha, you're not performing the mitzvah. Right? So I mean, what I mean by that is, let's say, for example, let's go with reading the Megillah. So if you don't read the Megillah, every word with the right tune you probably still fulfill the mitzvah. Are you really missing that much? If a couple of the words, you know, you missed an asnachta and you missed the pashta, you missed one of the cantillation marks? Maybe not. But then there are things which absolutely are going to affect your, your reading. So if you missed a word, for example, in certain cases, that now we're, now we're in a... So many people think it's just a matter of seriousness of how important something is. From a Hasidic perspective, from a Hasidic perspective, um, especially for the B'nai Sashar, the halacha takes on, takes on a life of its own in the sense that the halacha is, is much more directly connected to the spiritual significance behind the mitzvah. It's not just guidelines and directives, but it's actually, if I may, it's telling you what the mitzvah is about. You can look at the halacha and understand the spiritual aspects of the mitzvah. And then, and I think this is very important for the B'nai Yisachar, you can look at the spiritual aspects of the mitzvah and figure out what the right halacha should be. So if I may, I would say it like this. Um, I, I don't know if this is correct to say it, but if you were to take more of the yeshivish halachic approach, they would say that the reason why you have to do the exact halacha according to these exact specifications are because those are the instructions from God. And and, and in the same way, where if your boss tells you, I want you to fill out this form and I want you to, 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 to space the lines this much, I want you to put eight centimeters of space between the lines. If that's what your boss tells you to do, that's what your boss tells you to do. You don't have to think about why he wants eight centimeters between the lines. It doesn't matter. That's what he said and that's what you do. And I think that's the general sort of um, approach many people have to halacha. 
for the Bnei Yisachar, for him, it's going to be much more, I guess, if I may, it'll be much more like coding, where if I'm writing the code for a program, so if I say, listen, what's the difference if I use a zero or, or the letter O? Well, the difference between using a zero and the letter O is going to be the difference as to whether there'll be bugs in your program or not. So even though on the outside it looks the same and the person feels like, hey, what's the difference? You, you can, you can, if you're not getting things right, you can really destroy everything that this mitzvah is about. And I think in the case of the menorah, it's certainly the case that the, according to the B'nai Sastar, this isn't just some trivial question of whether I'm allowed to um, light one candle from the other candle with a, with a match in between, without a match in between. I think for him, this comes down to that somehow this is going to tell you about what Hanukkah is about. That, that if, you're, if you're not supposed to light from a candle to a candle and you do, somehow you're going to miss all of Hanukkah because of that. And uh, that, that in general, we find this throughout the writings of the B'nai Yisrael, that he will very often look at even the slightest, smallest nuance in halacha, to which I think most people would kind of, you know, why is that so important? And he can very often show us how, how this small nuance can include everything that there is to know. So, um, if we may, let's take a look at an example of where the Bnei Yisachar does exactly just this. So this is in the Bnei Yisachar, on Hanukkah, in uh, Maimer Gimel, within the months of Kislev and Teves. And there, Maimer Gimel, um, Sif uh, Tez Zion, so that's 3, colon 16, the Bnei Yisachar says like this, the rule has been paskin. It's been paskin in halacha, madlikin miner l'ner, that you may, you're allowed to light one candle from the next candle, which is seemingly the understanding of the Gemara. And he says, um, based on this, he says, ner mitzvah, Rome is We know that the menorah, the light of the menorah, is all a metaphor for the light of the Torah. In other words, we have the pshat, which talks about the menorah, but as we know, the Torah has four levels, Pshat and Remez and Jerush and Sod. And the Bnei Sashkar in general will feel that all four have to correlate perfectly. Now, in the previous piece, which we're not learning, Bnei Sashkar spent a lot of time explaining to us how the menorah represents the light and how um, the, I'm sorry, the light, the light of Torah, how the menorah and Torah, meaning when we're lighting our Hanukkah menorah, it's somehow connected to our personal connection to Torah. So he says, in a remez os halacha, so then the remez, meaning the next layer of the Torah, will mean, madlikin miner l'ner, that you can light a candle from a candle, saying like this, kachi darkushal Torah, this is the way of the Torah, mosiv ha'adam ometzba, misechal l'sechal, that you're always increasing your strength, increasing your knowledge, increasing, you're always growing in Torah. And I think this is something that Maybe we could spend the rest of the class just discussing. I think it's an important idea that, that uh, and this is true. I mean, you look at this, this Hebra over here, you get together and you learn every, every week, Chuvas and Poskim, and it's clear that everyone is, um, is wanting to grow, meaning that even people who are further on in years, you've already graduated um, Cheder and high school and college. And for the rest of the world, when you leave college, or at best medical school, or you know, uh, postgraduate. All this, at that point, you're done learning. You're done learning. But when it comes to Torah, that's what Bnei Yisrael is saying. You're never done learning. He says, "Afilu elef shanim yichya." 
If a person were to live a thousand years, and spend the entire thousand years learning Torah, he will always, always find not just new ideas, but whole new ways of thinking, new perspectives. The Torah opens up your mind. But then he says, when it comes to all wisdoms, if you learn a certain wisdom, and you're now the expert on this subject. Now you're important. If you discovered some new element um, in the periodic table, you're now, you're going to win a Nobel Prize. You're the genius. But then when I give my official, I write my thesis, I write my paper, and I teach other people these wisdoms. Others, are now also have access to this wisdom. In fact, others may even take my wisdom and take it further and exceed the Yaved Harisha Hashibusa. So the first man loses his any special, unique um, aspect to himself. Because there's other people who are just as wise as him in this subject. So when it comes to secular knowledge, it's all like that. But when it comes to the wisdom of the Torah, it's not like that. On the contrary, the more students you have, the more honor and glory you have. Now, I think it's very important what the Bnei Sashra has just done here. Because what he's talking here is, is, there's two ideas here, which is how much knowledge you have, and then there's the esteem that you have for your knowledge, what makes you special. So when a person has this knowledge, a person gains the knowledge, along with it comes the esteem of this is the person who's the expert who's figured out this subject. But then, as other people learn it too, he still has the knowledge, but he loses the esteem. When what the Bnei Sashkar is saying is that both of those aspects are different when it comes to the Torah. When you teach people, we know, the more you teach, the more you learn. So, so you, you, you will always continue to grow, even when you, all you're doing is passing along what you have, you're going to grow because you're going to understand it better. But also, but also, your esteem is increased. The more students you have, the more people that are studying and learning your Torah, that's more, makes you more special and more unique. He says, um, Certainly, when you're teaching, you don't lose your special um, level of esteem. So, and here is where he spills spills out his interpretation. Rather, what you're doing is you're lighting a candle from a candle, and the first one doesn't lose anything. And so he's suggesting that the rules of the Hanukkah menorah are literally the rules when it comes associated with the study of Torah. And if the process of, of studying Torah is to be understood a certain way, then the process of getting light from one candle to another candle is going to be connected and associated in the same way. So if we're concerned that when you light one candle to another candle, that, that somehow it's going to disgrace or shame the first candle, does it or doesn't it? So here's what the B'nai Sashra says. Let's look at what this represents. Let's look at what the menorah represents, which is the Torah. 
And, uh, and because it represents the Torah, we know by the Torah, you do use one flame to not light another flame. In fact, that's really the only way that you could ever learn is to receive directly from a Rebbe. Uh, and and to, that, that's the greatest way of learning. And so he says, Ibn Yisachar says brilliantly, he says, there's a Gemara. The Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us that, that people are not jealous of the spiritual success of their students or their children. That's interesting because the Gemara doesn't necessarily say that it's talking about Torah. But the Bnei Saskia's understanding from the fact that the Gemara uses the word Talmido to understand that this is referring to, to your students, meaning to Torah, that there is a special concept that if a, a teacher, a Rebbe, is, is exceeded, is, is uh, surpassed by one of his students, he doesn't become jealous. And the Bnei Sashka is saying that this is not true of the rest of the world. This is not true of those secular knowledges where, where people want to be the greatest and the best, and they want to stay that way. They don't want their, um, their students to, to outshine them. But he's saying in Torah, we do say that. In Torah, we say that a person wants his students and his children. So he's saying, because, <coughs> because of this idea, which is that you can light a candle from a candle, and it's not considered a disgrace. He says, So even though usually, even though usually we paskin like Rav, in this case we were paskin like Shmuel, that Madlikim in Er Lener, and he says, and he says, now notice his language, So he says, there was a debate in the Gemara whether the issue was that you're disgracing the first candle because you're sort of using it to, to, to do a mundane act, or to do an, an act not for that candle. And then there's the second issue, which is that you're weakening. And he's saying that both of those aren't true. Both of those are not true because number one, you're not disgracing. The Rebbe is not ashamed in any way because his students have, have a, a flame that's burning brighter than his. And there's no weakening of the mitzvah, as we said, because in fact, when you teach, you give over Torah, your knowledge is increased, and now you have an even better understanding. So that you're not you're not weakened either. Now this is yeah, all of course, yeah. within within the first step of the Gemara. Yeah, Kalman, I think that uh, you know you know I, I appreciate you know the the surge of of your approach, but I think one just has to temper just a little bit by by mentioning that this was a favorite theme of Ritzvi Melech, which was the inferiority of all other Chalkmas to Teira. Uh, you know, he was, a, this was a campaign that he had, um, you know, in the main Ganim and other places where he, where he stressed how Chalkmas uh, Chitzainis and Chalkma is, is, you know, this was really a, a motif that really runs through a lot of his works. He right, felt well, that I'm going to quote the main Ganim soon. Yeah, yes. right, right. But he felt that he was fighting, uh, you know, the the, the Haskalah, which was actually uh, asserting itself and extending its tendrils and grabbing many of the Yiddish Welt away from pure Torah. So this was really a theme that uh, you know really meant a lot to him. Um, I'm not saying that it, you know it didn't come naturally. It's not that he's just engaged 
in polemic, but I think that this jives very much with one of his central themes uh, of what he wanted his farm to accomplish. Um, the mesikus of his farm was meant in, in many ways to act as a uh, as a protection against people being dragged away, and therefore his insistence. We know, however, I'm again from the distance that we are looking at this, that in many ways there are there's especially in certain areas of wisdom, and we have. You know, it isn't necessarily so that they look at the grandfather of psychoanalysis as overbottle just because you know his Talmidim, uh, he gives it over. There does seem to be, again, a certain sense of harocha, um, uh, despite the fact that you know, his chokhmah has now been uh, pushed into perhaps somewhat of a different direction. So again, he's, he gives you, I think, a very, I wouldn't say a jaundiced version of it, but he's giving us a version that I think, Kalman, if it wouldn't be the chevr that we're listening here, as you say, the Chuvas and Paiskim crew, I think many of them would be shaking their heads and saying, well, you know, is, is, you know, everybody, you know, we all know the founder of, you know, of, you know, Crick and Watson, we might have done more in DNA, but we still know how much we owe them. And, you know, they're the busts of their uh, faces are still going to be uh, venerated wherever they are. So I think that, again, it, well, it, it, I, I appreciate your point. I, I think that uh, without question, certainly the Bnei Sosfer is coming here with his, uh, um, you know, this is one of his, one of his issues that uh, Red Hot issues that he's constantly bringing up because this is one of the um, struggles that he dealt with. But but I, I will defend the B'nai Yisrael here. I, I think that it is true that Freud, um, despite the fact that that he continues to be looked at as the as the founder uh, and creator of this entire area or field of study. Um, I do think that as soon as his students um, showed him to be okay. oh, oh, lost, right. it doesn't mean that, that he's garbage within their eyes, but he wasn't no longer looked at as the biggest expert on the subject. Kalman, again, listen, Freud might not be the best aide, so you could do Freud, Einstein, it could be any of the people that were um, uh, the machadshim of whatever derech ha The idea that they lose their chashivos, I, I think... I again, I'm I'm even skeptical of it. As much as I love Chassidus and the Bnei Soskar, the idea that Yevet Arishan Chashivusay in Gansen is probably again, you know, he's happy well, to I, say that. I, I don't think he says in Gansen. He doesn't say completely that person's over bottle. He just says that it, it, it's it's a lessening in the same way. And let me say this: in the same way that a candle, when the candle, when you light one candle from another candle, steals a little bit of oil. When we talk about the, the weakening, it's the slightest weakening. It's not, it's not that it puts out the first candle, which would be what you're, um, an equivalent to what you're describing. Yeah, the other problem I think here is that, and maybe he's going to get to it. I'm not, I, I, I didn't familiarize myself with the shtickle before I put it up here on the board. Is that of course this puts Rav at a disadvantage, right? Again, yeah. if this is, you know, if he's ready to, um, you know, t- this is such an elevated idea which is so central, it would seem that Rav is sort of on the wrong side, even intellectually. Maybe he has a way to be Matzik Rav eventually. Well, but, I, I was planning on addressing that myself, but uh, I, that was going to be, your, in other words, that was going to be your own shtickle to, to be Matzik Rav. But he's well, not so, to be Matzik Rav, but to address this point. Okay. Uh, I'm going to address the point of Rav and Shmuel, hopefully. Okay, but but what what where the Bnei Sascha is going to go, even though this is the next piece, he's directly going to where where you have already brought us, which is that he's going back to the Gemara and he's saying, one second, there's two there's two issues here. 
There's the lighting of a candle to another candle, which is using one candle to light another candle. But there's a whole separate subject of, of sticking in a match in between. Now, wh what is the match in between? The match in between says, oh, I'm not able to reach from one candle to another candle, meaning that the Rebbe is not able to access the student. So what the Rebbe needs is this kind of match, this sort of in-between, to be able to reach the student. So here's what the B'nai Yisrael, let's read the words. Part of this debate is whether you can use this, and they didn't have matches, right, in, in the way that we have, but it was a piece of wood, a splinter of wood. So there's an interesting halacha, that if you're not sure that this wick uh, or this, this piece of wood that you light, if you're not certain that it's going to burn well, which means that you're concerned that maybe when you light, it'll go out and you won't have accomplished anything, he says, then absolutely you're not allowed to do it, because then for sure, if you're lighting from the first candle, and you don't even get to use it to light the second candle, because it's going to go out first, then everyone agrees it's prohibited. So he says, in Elifia, now, if you follow the same track, the concept of lighting from one candle to another candle is an allusion to the concept of Torah, meaning that the light increases light in the same way that the knowledge of Torah increases more knowledge and wisdom increases more wisdom. But the metaphor of lighting with this in-between match he says the match represents those external wisdoms. So if I want to, if I want to be able to understand this Gemara, this Gemara that talks about um, animal parts, so it's not registering. I am reading the Gemara. My Rebbe is explaining to me, but I don't understand what the animal looks like. So I open up. Um, I don't know what the animal equivalent of, of Gray's Anatomy is. But I open up some veterinary um, anatomy book and I look inside there. So I'm looking at Chachmas Chitzonias and I'm using it to, to be able to receive the knowledge of the Torah. And I think this goes back to what you were saying. So he's actually directly turning this kinsa, this in-between splinter or the match in-between, is this non-holy attempt to transfer the light through this non-holy object, which in this case would be the external wisdom. Right, so so for someone to study mathematics or medicine or zoology or biology or chemistry, and then to use that to try to explain the Torah. So he says, So he shares with us this famous discussion with the Ramah, Ramosha Israelists, he's the one that we Paskin like, and the Ramah brought a certain proof without getting into the complicated things, but it has to do, he quoted Aristotle explaining about how, how, how the, uh, the uh, atmosphere works. Because it was it was a question there about the uh, about the circus. It was a question sure. about the circus on the lungs. So that was what the uh, the reason why he thought it was worthwhile quoting Aristotle. But you're right. This uh, and the marshal, who of course was a second cousin, I believe, Benny of the of the Ramo, if not the first cousin, the marshal lets him have it, which is what the uh, Benny is right, right. He uses. Here. I love his language. Marshal <laughs> The marshal raised raised hell 
literally. Um, well, um, he, he actually says that especially it's a wonderful historical tshuva, which uh, one of, it's, it's, it's so great because it's 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 unplugged. And you see these two men, you know, really the way they are. And the marshal says, especially someone who's become a, a great uh, teacher and Rav like yourself. He's almost right. saying, which he's saying, you've now reached such a prominence as Shalom Shach Mazedim and as like the Rashka Bahad, Chas Shalom, that in your letter you should mention anything right. uh, he says, from Aaron Oily, woe to me that my eyes have read words such as these from you to see the great remark quoting Aristotle. Right? Well, again, it was his younger cousin, but I think he was, I think there was an element here of a little, he, he wasn't jealous outright, but he definitely felt, hey, you know, you, you're the one that the Ashkenaz, I see that your star is risen, you know, I got to give this to you about, uh, about quoting Aristotle. Of course, he also, as you know, Kalman, by knowing the tshuva, uh, also uh, upbraids him for his uh, improper diktuk, as you might remember. He also tells him that he, he, his, his, his ivra is not perfect either. His loshen nister, his loshen noichach, and he switches. So, the, 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 again, I'm sort of like putting a, a, you know, salt on all of these areas, but you know, I think the marshal had a, uh, an agenda. Right, right. But and, and, correct. And you're absolutely right in the sense that it, to a certain extent, the Bnei Yisachar has that same agenda. I mean, yeah. he quotes this Shuvas Marshal many times throughout the Sefer Bnei Yisachar, and, and always, in fact, even in his comments to the Zohar, there's a certain Zohar that talks about how you shouldn't use Chachmas um, Chitzonius, you shouldn't use outside wisdoms to, to, to try to prove Torah things, and uh, the Bnei Yisachar wrote on the side of his Zohar, this is the proof that the Marshal is right. Yeah, so, so this was right, and, and and really, as as you know, and again, I I, I don't want to stop your energy because it, it is a, a very impressive one. But as you know, the the Ramos Torah Salila, you know, is really very much. Although he writes his his Nazlus, that I didn't even read Aristotle. It's only through the uh, what I saw in 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 the in the. Uh, medieval rabbinic people who bring him i don't even know how to read it that i only read it on shabbos afternoon i don't even use it right he has a whole bunch of his nazis back to his cousin but we know his safer teres ha'ila is is very much infused by uh, a, a philosophical spirit you know it's the right, right. But, but like i said it, it, it... For him, it's cashered. You said this. He cashered it through. That's part of where we're going. Is that he sort of cashered it through the way that the Rishonim pass it along. So he's not reading Aristotle. He's reading, right. um, you know, he's reading uh, other Rishonim, but especially the Rambam, as we'll see, right? But but it's I, I, just again the language of the Bnei Yisachar. The Gazar Omer Shafilu Bamakamatinofes in Laharach in Laharabahem, meaning even in the bathroom, you shouldn't you shouldn't read Aristotle. Right, meaning that that it's not a, just a bit question of bittel Torah that you should be learning Torah at the time. We, in which case, if you're in the bathroom, you, there's no issue of bittel Torah. Then you can read this. But the Bnei Saskos understanding the Marshal that it's actually a prohibited thing. It's 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 dirty and should not be studied even in the bathroom. So so he says Ramaz al Sham and the approach of the of the Rama is that he's going to allow what's used for Torah. And then again, 
the Bnei Yisoscha quotes a Rambam that he quotes a number of times in his Sefer. And I won't, I won't um, go through all the clever paraphrases that are in that Pasuk, but basically the, the, the way the Rambam himself defends himself with all of these studies is that he, he hired a maid and, and the maid's job is to cook and clean. And so in this case, these foreign wisdoms, their maids and their job is to cook and clean. So says the Bnei Yisrael, in my opinion, that's what our sages are fighting over. And again, this is my point, that for the Bnei Yisrael, it's not only a debate about whether you can light the candle here or there. Contained within that debate is this huge very big, very important debate about proper ways of transmitting the Torah. So he says, um, He says, the fact that Halacha points out and says, well, one second, if you're going to light, if there's even a chance that there will be an extinguishing that occurs, then you can't do it. So he says, he quotes the Chassid Mariyavitz, um, who says, um, which, which, uh, um, which, of course, is the safer to which the Bnei Yisoschar commented in his Ganim, who says, Misha someone who has a healthy stomach, I'm just going to translate rather than reading inside, can eat foods that other people would get sick from. He can eat it and they won't damage him. But someone who doesn't have a healthy stomach is not able to handle it, needs to be extra careful, right? I mean, this is pretty basic stuff. Some people can eat staples and and somehow be fine uh, and Tide Pods and all those things. And then there's some people, if they have a, you know, one one slice of cheese already uh, set them off for the week, right? So he says, you can't bring a proof from the Rambam because the Rambam was, the Rambam was bulletproof, right? The, the, the language... Um, the language that the uh, that the uh, that the the the, the, the Chassid Yaivid says is that the Rambam was kadosh. I'm reading this. It goes kadosh v'chassid mileda mi betad, meaning that the Rambam was somehow an angel, and that's why it didn't affect him. And, and of course, this is very much a uh, you know a polemical uh, you know uh, <laughs> argument. That's one of the reasons why I chose this place. No, no, no. I, it's it's it's, uh, it's but clearly. In almost every sefer, whether it's um, the Chosid Yaivitz's sefer, Rabbi Yosef Irgis's sefer, Hashem Ramunim, it's like, what about the Rambam? Like the Rambam's loomed so large that anyone who was, you know, trying, they didn't want to like cut the Rambam to shreds. They didn't want to like take out the Goyen in 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 the Oradea. So like right, that right. type of language. Right. So they say so basically you have to sort of like even Rabbi Yaakov Emden as well. Like they all. Uh, whether it's Rabbi Emden or Yavis Sefirgis or the Chosid or the or the Chosid Yavitz, not the Kanoi Yavitz. Um right. basically they all have to either say, yeah, they all have to neutralize uh, what the Rambam did. Otherwise, right. uh, otherwise right, it's a big to miracle. the extreme where he says that the Rambam was Achal Nachashim Akravim Lamazum, that the Rambam could eat snakes, snakes and scorpions within this analogy, and it would still turn into food. The Rambam could eat poison. Right, that, that that's that's how far he's taking it, right? right. Okay, let's let's finish this. But there's a danger. But even if you try to use these um, wisdoms to try to reach Torah, 
So he says, that's the Madlik Miner Lunera de Kinsa. So that's the lighting of one candle to another candle through, through, the, um, through this match in between this non-holy wick. And that, that's what it comes down to. So he says, he quotes the Chassidari Yavitz, who says, very clever pun on the Gemara in in uh, on the Gemara in Shabbos, meaning that for a person to feel feel sort of safe, well, you know, I can handle this kind of thing. He says that's a very dangerous thing, and you have to realize what you're messing with. So, so it comes out, and this is where I wanted to go. I know I'm basically out of time, so I'm going to try to finish. Is that the Bnei Soscher again is seeing this little nuanced debate about whether you can light, whether you have to light directly candle to candle or flame to flame or can you use this in between um kind of uh, kind of uh, um subject in between which in this case would represent the secular knowledge it comes down to when hashem put into this world it was hashem's decision that there should be chachmas yivanis there is the choshech sahom there's the greeks and now the question is is that something we need to reject reject outright and move away from like we would from other things that are prohibited, or is this, as we say in um, in more uh, kabbalistic terms, is this area the chachmas chitzonis, other wisdoms, are they what we call the klipas noga, that sort of in between stuff, which if you use it for the good, then it's good; if you use it for the bad, it's, it, it's not. So, if I may go back to your point, we all know that Shmuel in the Gemara is always the one who has all the knowledge of outside wisdoms. Yeah, besides for him being a doctor, which which he was, he was he was like the Rambam. He was also, he said, um, yeah, I know the I know the the paths of the starways as well as I know uh, I know that I, I he knew astronomy as well as he knew um the his own hometown. So Shmuel himself is the one who says Madlik and Nenoner. I haven't seen anyone make that connection, but it's obvious to me that that's, that that's and, and for some reason in Abaye is saying that even though usually we hold like Rav, in this case we're going to hold like Shmuel, and, and I think that in this case maybe we hold like Shmuel because Shmuel showed us that this can be done. Shmuel himself is not just paskening Madlikim and Elaner, but he was Madlikim and Elaner because all the, the students here you know, of Yudah and all the other students of Shmuel would have received this Mesorah from Shmuel. And I could be, I think that's what it, it may be. You don't need to then go where he's going, which even though he does it, he makes the Rambam seem like a special per- person. But I think the Rambam is following that path. Of, 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 of Shmuel, and maybe that's the answer. What the Bnei Soscher is saying and I, is that maybe, and you're saying the Bnei Soscher is taking this very far, and, and, and I think you were almost saying this, he's taking this further than he needs to in order to push and make the point. I, I think that's what he's doing. He's saying that if you're, like, if you're like the Rambam, meaning if you at least in your head realize that this is a hole, a mundane piece of wood that you have in between, and you don't give Kedusha, to that stick or match in between, then you're good. Now, you have to make sure it's not going to extinguish anything, meaning you better make sure it doesn't damage anything. But even if, you can, even if you're sure it's going to work, it needs to be looked at as something that's not holy and only something that I'm using in between, in which case then I can avoid the disgrace of the mitzvah or, or the weakening of the mitzvah. But if I make the match 
important. If I believe that I'm using the match and the Torah itself is somehow missing something without this match, then you're disgracing that first light and that's why it would be prohibited. So I think this is a great example of the Bnei Sasko sort of looking at the spiritual aspects behind these halachas and then showing us how the halacha is driven by the perspectives that we have on these on this idea of how to properly transmit Torah and that's going to be reflected in all the little nuances in halacha and how to properly um, light the menorah. Common, definitely a, a great uh, nugget and reflective of, of the B'nai Yisoskar and you did a great job being Mazbert. I would also just say that you know the, the B'nai Yisoskar's mahalach about transmitting to Talmidim really only works if you understand the Gemara about Madlikim in when there is you're being Madlik to someone else's Nair, uh, that either someone else brings the Chanukia over or somehow you have a Psila Oroch to someone else. But if you're being Madlik to your own Nair, if we're talking about a person who's trying to do Mahadrim in a Mahadrin or whatever, and he's trying to be Madlik the amount of Nairois, so the Moshul doesn't really fit so well, does it? Well, I think it still stands in the sense that even because he's talking about increasing your own wisdom of, of I, 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 it will be a little different, but it'll still be the same idea of me using my own. In other words, I'm trying to figure out a Gemara, so I look in this in this in this zoology book. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, no not with the Kisna. If I'm if if you take the the Bechlal the Shaila, what's Madlika Miner Liner? Is it about someone else's Nair? That if that would be like what the Rishonim say, then you know that would be perfect. A marshal about giving Torah over to other people. I want my mitzvah to help you, and you are able to do it because I have it. But if you're, if it's actually you lighting the other neiros in your row in your Chanukiah, then the marshal really sort of, I think it fall it fizzles. Well, maybe, okay. but I'll, 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 I'll in, in defense of the Bnei Yisrael, I'll say that that the first candle is you, and the other candles of the night are your students. Are others who you're giving to, according to the Bnei Yisrael? So even within your own menorah, the other candles that are being lit are the people who you. Because remember, it's ner issue based. So the original mitzvah is just for one candle. I, I, I'm going to suggest that the extra candles are the light that you're spreading to others. Yeah, and I guess the the other thing, which you know, and, and we could also wonder uh, from within ourselves, is you know. To, the Bnei Yisrael definitely wants to promote this idea of the uh, the Chovave philosophy, but anyone who really reads the Rambam well and takes the Mer Nevuchim not as uh, as polemic or some sort of uh, you know uh, like the Yavitz did sees that the Rambam sees the the understanding of the the nature of things in a philosophical way as not just you know <laughs> again a shifcha but actually really understanding. The, the reality. It wasn't really I have to do this for the sake of something else. Everything... I, I agree with you. The, the concept of the match in between, which is like a junky piece of wood that you're simply using to light a flame to a flame, it, it's clear that the Bnei Yisoshar is taking the approach that these Chachmas Chitzonias are are, are their grease and their darkness and they are everything that's bad in the world. Right. right. As, as opposed to being part of of, of, of an understanding of the Bria that the Seichel is meant to do. And if these works help me understand an idea, it's all part of a, of a holy Seichel that the Rambam, even though there's a metaphysics beyond of Seichel, it's all really part of the same 
uh, it's made of the same material. It's just pushing your brain a little farther, as opposed to, as you say, taking a sponge or taking a sponge out in order to clean something. Kalman, thank you so much for the the sheer. It was, a, I think, a real a, a great schus, and it gets us ready for Hanukkah. And the also, again, for Elias Neshama. Um, Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.